This is the Hunt for Wellness podcast with Garrett Purvis, 37, Olaf. It's another great day for wellness, and this is Bones bringing the packs of F3 Nation the latest strategies and tips to accelerate their king and optimize their queen. Health is a journey and requires you to take a proactive approach on a daily basis. Knowing exactly what to do and how to do it will help you achieve it faster. Each week, we are going to be interviewing the leading health and wellness experts, sharing inspiring stories from the packs, and diving into the latest research to help you optimize your health. So get ready as we embark on your hunt for wellness. Well, what's up, F3 Nation and Hunt for Wellness listeners? I hope everyone is having a fantastic week. Uh, I am super excited about this week's episode. I had an opportunity to interview uh, not only a very high-impact man, but somebody I personally know and I consider a, a dear friend, uh, who is Garrett Purvis, or otherwise known as the Nation Snowman, Olaf. And yes, this is the same Olaf who is a recent graduate of the Cadre Academy and the person who is behind so much of the Q-Source effort out there across the nation. So Garrett and I get in a great conversation about a topic that is near and dear to his heart in today's episode. We talk about ADHD and how he has personally struggled with this diagnosis over the course of his life and some of the things that he has done to accelerate not only um, physically, uh, with his health, but just overall accomplishments in life. And, uh, he really kind of pulls back the curtain about some of the things that he struggled with as a youth, uh, when he was diagnosed, some of the strategies that he had to implement and learn about himself. And he offers some great advice to parents who may, uh, be struggling or, or, um, working with their own children, with a similar diagnosis. So I really encourage you guys to listen to this entire episode, gain these pearls uh, from Olaf as he just shares, you know, his own personal journey. And as always, if you enjoy today's episode, please be sure to rate it uh, and tell your friends, your family members, and other packs across the nation. Now for today's episode. Another edition of the Hunt for Wellness podcast. Uh, this is Dr. Tuna Sant, otherwise known as Bones in the Gloom. And Pax, we have a fantastic show for you today. I am honored and privileged to have none other than Garrett Purvis, or otherwise known as Olaf in the Gloom, joining me on the podcast. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, man. Appreciate you having me. Thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, listeners, if, you, if that voice sounds familiar, it's probably because you've heard them on a slew of other uh, media outlets, as well as kind of part of that Q source uh, conversation across the nation. But uh, Olaf, do us a favor for those that may be not familiar with who you are and, and what you do with F3. Kind of give us a little bit of that background of your F3 story. Uh, when you started F3, how'd you get involved with it and, and why the name Olaf? All right, that's a, that's a great question, great question. Um, so name is Garrett Purvis, I'm 37, I'm EHM for heaven, that's what I always say in COT. Uh, we'll get more to that later on. Um, but uh, yeah, the name's Olaf. Um, I started at three, 
um, from a neighborhood friend, uh, Cha-Ching, up the street, who's a uh, complete stud. Um, and I was riding his coattails for uh, for a couple of years before he moved out of the neighborhood. And then we kind of, um, he's, he's down in the, the Lake Wiley region. I'm originally from the Fort Mill region, which is a, a suburb of the, the metro Charlotte uh, region. So the name Olaf, um, I actually, uh, some would call me more of a, uh, uh, I'm an engineer by trade. And I uh, was having our daughter's uh, winter wonderland themed, like her one-year-old birthday party. And the wife wanted to um, to have some sort of uh, like some snow. And she saw there was an advertisement like, oh, you can get somebody to come in. They can put snow in your yard. And I was like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. How much does that cost? And she was like, oh, it's like $300 for the day. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Um, I'll take that challenge uh, being an engineer and actually uh, engineered my own snow machine um, out of using a pressure washer and some special nozzles and an air compressor and actually put, you know, six inches of snow in our front yard um, for a February 16th uh, birthday for the Shorty 2.1. So uh, all the other yards were, were brown with dead Bermuda grass around in the south. And uh, we had this just beautiful white snow all in the front yard. So uh, so they gave me the name. Uh, they are going to name me Frosty at first. And then uh, back when I started, I guess it was 2016, Frozen had just started to come out. And uh, my kids weren't enough to know anything about those kind of Disney movies yet. But uh, someone was like, oh, no. We'll name him. We'll name him Olaf. And I was like, "Oh man!" And then as soon as you, as soon as you kind of like give the sigh in the COT, everybody's like, "Yeah, that's the name. That's the name." It hurts just enough that he's, you know, he'll accept it, but he doesn't like it. So yeah, so, so Olaf it is. So so walk me through this process of building this contraption. I mean, as far as kind of putting all the pieces together to make snow, how did you kind of come up with the the design and what to use and and all that kind of stuff? So actually, um, snowmaking is, is pretty complicated. It's uh, but it's not it's not not rocket science. It's uh, it's more uh, just uh, atomizing of, of air molecules and allowing them to freeze um, over some sort of particulate or some sort of like a uh, like a seed. So you have to have an air compressor. Um, so if you just use a regular pressure washer and you use um, like high pressure nozzles or mister nozzles, you're just going to get ice crystals because that that freezes from the outside in. So in order to get snow, you have to freeze from the inside out. So you have to have a super, super fine um, air mist nozzle that is being pushed out at, at high pressure. And then you have to hit that at 90 degrees with um, a compressed air at a high velocity. And that causes the air molecule to be basically just blasted apart into smaller, smaller pieces. And then the dust that's naturally in the air, that water will freeze to the dust that's naturally in the air. And then all the other air that's coming or all the other water that's being pushed from the pressure washer will actually freeze onto that little molecule of, uh, of that seed. And then you actually get fluffy snow, which is, which is fantastic. <laughs> man, I would have never came up with that in a million years. So kudos. Oh, don't to worry. Man. I, I watched, uh, you know, there was some, there was some design plans and some other things um, that are out on the internet, which are, which are great. So uh, I didn't do well, it all myself. Yeah, no, but to your credit, uh, taking that challenge and, and for your daughter, and to kind of give her that experience that she wanted uh, with that white birthday party, man, that, kudos to you. And, and Pax, uh, you know, I personally know Olaf, uh, we, we get an opportunity to post a handful of times through, throughout the year together. And, and uh, I've been in some scenario scenarios rather and races and different things. And uh, he, he never ceases to amaze. I, I remember Olaf one time you showing up to uh, the Carolina trail run, the Ragnar, with your own homemade air conditioner uh, using a cooler. So 
so folks, this is the type of guy we're, we're dealing with here who uh, just takes any type of challenge and excels at them. Uh, speaking of challenges, um, you're uh, one of the newer cadres uh, of the GTE experience, aren't you? I'm a cadre in training. Hopefully, you know, one of these two underneath my belt, I'll actually get graduated to a, a full-blown cadre or a C3 is what they're going to call it. So, yeah, that's uh, that's been a challenge. I'm really excited uh, to those that are that are still uh, on the fence for the GT26, the Eastern Fleet. It's uh, it's going to be a bar burner, man. It's going to be a great time. Yeah, I've seen the the schedule this year of all the GTEs, and there's quite a few across the nation. So I'm going to echo that and say that if you haven't been to GTE, you really owe it to yourself and your region to participate because it is just, there's really nothing that mimics it as far as bonding and personal development and team development and really just kind of accelerating a region. So that's awesome that you are willing to volunteer for that. And then congratulations, man, on accomplishing that Cadre Academy. Uh, it sounded like no joke once I heard kind of what you guys went through for those couple days. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely was no joke. That, 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 uh, really test your physical and, uh, and mental capacity and uh, which is which is a, a super extra challenge sometimes for me uh, but we'll get to that we'll get to that more along the line <laughs> I hear you and then on top of all that uh, I mentioned it already but uh, you do quite a bit with the key source uh, specifically I've seen you on the nation's uh, slack channel I know here locally you kind of dedicated a whole AO to Q source points um, what really kind of got you uh, so interested in the Q source and and how are you finding it really just helping you accelerate? Well, I, I, I uh, you can call me definitely a Kool-Aid drinker. Um, I think that the, uh, the Q source is one of those, one of those books that, you know, you can call me a dread fanboy if you want, but a lot of the stuff that's in there is really hard to argue. Um, I mean, he might be, not, he might not be the smartest man, but he's, he's definitely a great collector of smart things. And, uh, and he put them in that book. And I think that a lot of men these days, uh, sometimes they, they lack role models and they lack, um, they lack like, you know, what, what's, what's their purpose? What's their mission? And I think that the Q-Source really allows you to systematically go through it and, and, and basically lay out how you should be a virtuous dude. Like, what, what does a good dad look like? What does a good father look like? Um, what does a good leader look like? And, uh, and going through um, one of the GTEs, I, I really kind of, I got, I, I felt during the growth school, it was really, um, really impactful on me. Like, you know, the, the whole get right and then, you know, live right and then lead right and then leave right. It's, it's the, the four quadrants is kind of like, all right, well, where am I at in my stage in life and what do I need to be doing? And I think um, that was once I started to try to get my shield locks and kind of get my guardrails in place. I, uh, I've really, I've really been able to accelerate and I, I'm really grateful for it. So I, uh, you know, I've been an advocate for it. Uh, I, I dedicated a, uh, our site, uh, the, the current site queue that I'm at, um, Quagmire, we, you know, it's been nicknamed Quagsource because it's, uh, it's turned into a, a rucking AO that, that has, um, you know, we'll ruck, you know, ruck a mile and you'll basically talk about, you know, one of the cue points, uh, or one of the spurs and Socratics, and then we'll ruck another mile and then we'll, we'll do that. And, um, we'll repeat that until we get to the end. And it's kind of like it, it allows guys to get kind of an overview and introduction into, into what QSource is and what it's about. And then um, I just challenge guys that, you know, it's made an impact in my life and others that can, uh, I hope it can impact them as well. So. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of the QSource myself. I don't know it like the back of my hand, like you do, 
but uh, I'm a big fan of kind of listening to the, some of the um, replays on a weekly basis on, on the podcast station uh, that this podcast is part of. And um, really, I find value in it, uh, regardless of how many times I've listened to it. Uh, it. I think it's great information. And and to your point, I think it's a collection of a lot of very in, uh, informative uh, sayings and scriptures and things that I find value in, and it's really helped me as well. So, but uh, I appreciate your uh, leadership in that arena, uh, certainly here locally, and then more importantly, nationally, kind of watching kind of the things that you're consistently putting out there for the men across this nation and, um, and really the world at this point can be part of and, and, and really um, accelerate with. But uh, so yeah, um, as you guys can see, uh, Garrett or Olaf is, is quite an accomplished dude. He, he, he does some crazy things engineering, engineering wise. Um, he's a super dedicated uh, PAX member, father. I know you got, you have three girls, two girls. Yeah. Yep. Three shorties. Three. And they're all yeah. girls, right? Yep. Nine, yeah. nine, seven, five now. Gotcha. So you're, <laughs> you're a high accelerating man at home with, with three, three girls and then uh, obviously uh, really taking the reins with the cadre uh, stuff as well as um, uh, the, the Q-Source stuff. So you got a lot on your plate, yet you seem to be doing fantastic with all of that. And I, and I bring all that up, Pax, and, and I reiterate that is because, you know, the topic that we're going to cover today um, is ADHD or Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. And, and there's other acronyms out there with similar um, uh, symptoms like ADD and so forth. But, uh, and anyway, uh, Olaf, uh, has a personal story around that. And, um, a lot of times, uh, children who are diagnosed with that are often kind of looked at as possibly, uh, are unable to attain certain, um, aspirations or, or to concentrate or to excel in school or excel in other areas of life. And, and uh, Garrett was the opposite as far as where he's come along and, and where he's at and where I see him accelerating. And so um, when this topic was brought up, I thought, you know, who better than somebody that I, I love and trust to kind of talk about this and how it's personally um, affected his own life and some of the things that he's doing personally to accelerate despite that. So that's kind of what we're going to dive into today. So, you know, ADHD um, affects lots and lots of people. It's, it's estimated that about 10% of the population or about 9.4% of children are diagnosed with that. It's more prevalent in men versus women. And it's something that um, probably all of us are personally affected by, whether it's a, uh, a sibling, a parent, a child, or yourself. And that's just reality. And we've all kind of I've heard those diagnoses and the stigmatism around them. And we just kind of want to shed some light on that and talk about that. So uh, Olaf, I appreciate you coming on the show today to kind of uh, glean some of your personal story and, and help us out and just add value to us. So if you wouldn't mind, man, just maybe kind of walk us back to when you were first kind of made aware of this or diagnosed or kind of what that backstory was for you personally. Yeah. All right. Um, be happy to, I, I appreciate the opportunity, man. That's, uh, I'm humbled and honored with all the uh, kind words you have. That's, uh, that's, that's great. Uh, you know, I, I encourage everybody to come on his show. He'll tell you all the good things about you. Um, <laughs> so it's a, uh, it's a great, even if you don't, if you don't have anything good to share, like I do, it's, you know, you just kind of come on here and just get your ego, ego padded up, makes you feel great from the, uh, 
the, uh, the always handsome tennis hunt. So uh, anyways, um, so I was diagnosed with ADHD in elementary school, I believe. Um, it's kind of one of those, uh, I was not sitting still in class. I was always shouting out the answers. Um, uh, a lot of times uh, I would, I would get in trouble. I was really hard on teachers. Uh, bless God, bless those teachers that, that have to deal with, with us, uh, us crazy kids in general, let alone the, uh, the ones that have ADHD or other types of, um, of disabilities. Uh, but yeah, so I was the, I was the one that was impulsive that was shouting out in class and I was always getting in trouble. And what really drove the teachers really bad is I was always right with the answers. So I was always super smart. And so like, they would really get mad at me because I would get my work done before a lot of other people would, and it would be correct. It would be super messy, but it would be correct. And then I would be distracted because I was bored and I was doing something else. I was always seeking that, that stimulation or that, that, um, that yearning to do, to do something else. And, uh, so I got diagnosed with that. They, uh, parents decided to kind of try to hold off on, on the, uh, on medication at the time. Cause that was like, you know, that was during the whole Ritalin thing and they didn't want to stunt my growth, you know, thanks mom. Cause I'm only like, you know, five, seven and a half on like a really good day. So thanks for not stunting it anymore. You know, I'm glad for that. My mom is five foot zero and my dad's six foot. So a five, seven and a half, I'll, I'll take it. You know, I could have been small. So. Yeah. You're above average between the two. That's good. Yeah. 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 I'll take, I'll take it as a win. So, um, no, so they decided not to not to do that. I uh, I just really kind of would just it was just really hard. I struggled in class um, in classroom settings with uh, just just be just the, just being bored. You know, being bored and being just having extra energy. Couldn't sit still. Always up doing things. Never in my seat like I'm supposed to be. And uh, I think it was you know just just a struggle. And it was it's really hard um, from like a development standpoint because a lot of times in circles you are, um, you're not, you're not cast out, but it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things where like, you're not accepted because you're not like everybody else. And it kind of, uh, it can, it can kind of really mess with your self-esteem, uh, especially when you're young. Um, because, you know, they'll tell people, you know what, I, I just, you're just too intense or you're just too much. So can you just tone it down a little bit? It's like, you know, how do you not, how do you not be who you are, you know? It's um, it's just really hard, and so you kind of you kind of feel like people don't people don't like you, or that you're gonna get you know some sort of complex as you as you're a kid, and um, it, it, that was kind of one of the things I struggled with. You want to, you want people to like you, you want to be kind of a people pleaser. Um, yeah, but it's a trap you can fall into. But uh, I mean, I was able to make it through. Um, it was one of those where you always had always had good grades in elementary school, always excelled. Um, I think it, I think I, I I was in the academically gifted. Um, classes when I was younger. Um, so that gave me a little bit more of a challenge. And then also having an open, um, I went to people out of a middle school, um, shout out to the, uh, to uh, Central Avenue um, in Charlotte, which is uh, not some of the best area of town, but it was a, it was a great opportunity to, to go there. And uh, they had more of an open curriculum. So they would give you basically a certain amount of work you were supposed to do during a time frame, And then you could kind of do your stuff as you needed as it, as it got along the week. And that's when I really learned how to, to uh, procrastinate to the very last minute and then work under pressure with no sleep and then just get it done. Um, so that's, uh, that was one of the things going on that. And then, um, so I was off meds and my, my parents just tried to keep me really active um, all the time, just making sure that I would really be, uh, I would really play a lot and try to, and try to help eat um, nutritious food and not as much just sugary, sugary mess. 
And uh, one of the key things that really helped me was, was, was trying to get more sleep. Um, now that I've gotten older, that's been one of the things that I've, um, I used to never get to sleep. I mean, I would average you know, four hours of sleep. And then I, I, I remember running one day and I was talking to you and I was like, yeah, Bones, I actually, uh, I hate to admit it, but I'm, I like your podcast, but I hate to admit that I listened to it on, uh, when you're talking about the need for sleep, when you were on one of the COT podcasts really early on. And I was like, yeah, I hate to admit that I listened to it at like 2.30 in the morning. Like, and then we're, we're you know, it's, it's 5.15 or 5.30. We're, we're on a pre-run, you know, running in the neighborhood um, at a local AO. And I'm like, yeah, I, I need to get more sleep. That's definitely something that's, uh, that definitely helped my, helped my fitness. But uh, what was the question yeah, again? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> you got to get me, true man. form, right? I'm like true a rocket. Form, you got to. You give me a no, I love it. I was going to let you just kind of uh, share as much as you wanted to share there initially, but yeah, let's uh, let's bring it back and kind of circle the wagons a little bit. You mentioned um, as early as elementary school being diagnosed or, or kind of being aware of what was going on. Are, are we talking like second grade, fourth grade, fifth grade? I believe, I believe it was it was it was between second and third grade. I, um, my parents got divorced when I was younger, so we were changing schools. So I'm trying to remember what school what what school I was at when that when that happened, but I believe it was. Um, it was probably third, third grade. Um, I gotcha. And are you, are, do you have siblings or is it just you? Uh, I'm, I'm one of three. Yeah. So okay. I, have two, I have two sisters, one older, one younger. Um, okay. Any of them suffer with similar, um, um, my younger sister had a, uh, had a, had a learning, she had a, had a reading, a reading uh, problem. And then my older sister, uh, she was actually diagnosed when she was like 30. Um, okay. She made it all as like an years. adult. As, As an, an adult, adult she yeah, was. She yeah. Had, uh, she has ADD, so she doesn't have the hyperactive side of it, but she does right. have the ADD um, side of it. Again, again, very smart, and I think that's one of the stigmas that's really hard. Is if you're smart, a lot of times they they don't really they don't really count that as ADHD. They just oh, he's just he's just smarter. He's just not applying himself, or he's you know he needs to be um, you know he he should be disciplined. I mean, we grew up in the age of uh, getting spankings back in the day. I mean, it's you know now they say oh it's, the kid just needs to be taught discipline. It's like no, nah, no. Nah, and I had, I had my share of spankings. Don't, 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 don't <laughs> let them fool you. You know, I'm, I got, pre, sometimes I got preemptive spankings because I'm my, you know, my dad knew I was going to be a, be a hellion when we went into church. And so he's like, all right, let's just get this out of the way now. So you can, so I got to leave, you know, stop being in the middle of church. But, uh, yeah. Well, and I asked that because there is some scientific uh, or statistical uh, data that shows that, you know, if one sibling has it, there's like a 30% chance of increase that another sibling would have it. Or if a parent has it, you got like a 50% chance of, of uh, uh, an offspring uh, having it. So I was just curious uh, as far as the family dynamic was, if, if you were the one that was the, the, the one and only or uh, no, no. a couple of you had it uh, or, or whatever, um, you bring up the hyperactivity part. And uh, just so for context for, for listeners, you know, when it comes to diagnosis, you kind of have to have six uh, of the following, which is uh, regular fidgeting or squirming, ignores instructions to remain seated or stay in one place, moves about or feels restless in situations where such movement is inappropriate, cannot participate in leisure activities quietly, excessive talking, blurts out answers before a question is finished, trouble waiting their turn, and often interrupts or intrudes in conversation. So as long as you had like six of those, that's what they used currently uh, to diagnose that. And it's got to be longer than six months. I mean, it can't just be, you know, somebody having a bad day and, and you're diagnosed with that. So 
Uh, did, did a lot of those things sound familiar to you, Olaf? As far as kind of, okay. how you, I don't know how many, I don't know how many you you let you listed off, but I was I was nine for nine or ten for ten or whatever you gotcha. said. Gotcha. Yeah, I think there's uh, ten here or eight eight here. So uh, <laughs> okay, so so you can you can uh, uh, relate to to all that. Um, as a child, you know, as an adult now, you can look back and certainly as we age and mature, there's things that we can look with a different context. And with a different perspective at the time, like when, let's say you're fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, and you're blurting out these answers or you're finding it hard to sit down. Do you remember if it was something that you were trying to control that just couldn't or just was oblivious to it? Kind of walk me through what that was like for you. It's it's really it's really it's really terrible because, you know, the, the the fuse or the pathway from from the mind to the mouth is is so short, like. You, you're constantly blurting things out or you're constantly saying things and you're immediately apologizing for it. Um, and you just, it's almost like you hate yourself because you're, you know, like you, you, you're just ruining the fun for everybody else. Um, and you don't really mean to, uh, but then, you know, sometimes you're oblivious to it. And then when somebody calls you on it or they're like, Hey, can you, can you try to let someone else answer? Hey, Garrett, that's great. You're correct. Can you let someone else answer? And then someone else to ask the same question and I'll just, say the answer again i'm just like you know it's like <laughs> you know it's uh that's one of those things it's it's really it's really difficult to to, to harness or to try to get a get a handle on um that yeah you can struggle with so is that, yeah. that answer no, the question you're no it, it does i was just curious i mean like i said as adults you know we have different perspectives of when we're kids as far as maturity and understanding different you know points of view and stuff like that and, and i didn't know if it was more of just um, you know, as a child, you're just more oblivious and you just do it, or it is an internal struggle, like you mentioned, which is, I understand that I probably shouldn't be doing this, but for whatever reason, it's difficult for me to harness that back. And therefore I go ahead and, and say it and do that. And <clears throat> excuse me. And I'm kind of bringing that up too, because I'm sure there's PAX members listening who might have a child with a similar diagnosis and, and, and maybe they're dealing with you know, trying to, to be a parent and coach their child with this. And I didn't know if you wanted to speak to that a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I actually, um, so my, my father was diagnosed with ADHD and my mother was diagnosed with it after I was diagnosed with it and I was already out of college and everything. Um, and, uh, so me and my wife, um, we're, we're pretty certain that one of our kids definitely definitely has ADHD. Maybe another one does, but um, definitely one of them does. And it is just, a, I mean, it's definitely a different dynamic and it's definitely an added, um, an added uh, challenge to, 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 to trying to raise a kid. Um, the amount of, so one of the, one of the symptoms with that, that goes with ADHD is it's an emotional um, regulation disorder. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a dopamine, it's a dopamine um, uh, reuptake inhibitor type of uh, situation where you, you, you don't realize what's, you don't realize the, uh, the dopamine that you have is, is low. And so you don't, you try to produce it. It's, I'm sure you can explain it way better than I can, but uh, it's a chemical neurological thing that, that, that allows people to be almost bipolar from, you've never seen anyone more happy than me and you've never seen anybody more sad than me. And the fact that I can go from happy to sad in a matter of seconds is, um, is crazy to most people. Um, but it also is like, you know, it also made me very, 
uh, I was very, I was very successful in sports because I had a very, very short memory. Like you could go up, you could strike out, no problem. Next time you come up and you still think you're the king of the world, and then you're, you know, you're highly confident, and you're good to go. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of great added benefits, and I want to make sure that we can, we can highlight some of those, um, you know, maybe towards the end. But they, uh, like you're saying, some of the challenges with the kids. One of the things is a lot of it is paired with um, like uh, rejection sensitivity and emotional, um, just emotional irregulations. Uh, it's, it's really hard to regulate your emotions. So uh, I was always told that I was overdramatic, you know, when I was a kid, because I would just be, everything is just the end of the world. You know, it's like, I don't really have, um, there's a great, there's a great um, comparison that, that like, uh, there's all kinds of things that, that are peculiar with, with, with ADHD. And, and a lot of it has to do with, um, sort of like time blindness is a, is a great, is a great symptom. I mean, it's, it's a people with ADHD sometimes they, they can be uh, characterized as being uh, binary as in either they're on or off. There's no, there's no progression to it. I mean, when, when you talk about time blindness, like time doesn't function the same way as, as it does with other people. It's either, it's either, it's not, it's not time to go yet or holy crap, it's time right now. You know, there's no like, you know, you need to get prepared for, um, for this. It's kind of like, uh, I got three minutes. It's fine. And then all of a sudden you look at the time and it's like, oh, I should have left two minutes ago. And it's a 10 minute drive. And it's like, I'm automatically going to be like, you know, it's, um, those are different, those are different things that, that, uh, that you're going to have to deal with, with, with kids that, you know, they'll sit there and they'll just be staring in the mirror for five minutes when they're supposed to be brushing their teeth. And it's very easy to get frustrated if you don't understand what they're kind of going through. Like they're oblivious to it. And you kind of have to give them some sort of a, routine that can become muscle memory to allow them to uh, go through the process so you're not constantly harping on them because I think that definitely can can cause some some self-confidence issues because you 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 do get frustrated you're like why is it so hard for me and it seems effortless for everybody else Mm. you know it's 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 really frustrating and and you can get you can get sad and get you know it can hurt your self-confidence because you don't understand why it's why it's harder for you than it is for other people um, to stay on task or to get dressed or to, you know, remember, you know, five things on a grocery list. You know, you go into a grocery store and I just get overwhelmed with all the choices and all the options. It's like, you know, if I don't have a list going in there, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm a sitting duck. Like I'm so easy. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, I appreciate you sharing those, those perspectives because, um, you know, that's, all things that we need to remember and, and put in perspective because those of us that maybe not, uh, suffer with some of those same things. It's, it's, it's sometimes hard for us to wrap our minds around exactly what it is that is so distracting because, you know, the, the, a lot of us are just to your point are going, I, you know, why can't you just go in there and brush your teeth? And why can't you just go do that? And didn't, you know, you had to leave 10 minutes ahead of time. And, and it just doesn't make sense to some other people that don't have that same, you know, concerns or <clears throat> excuse me, or issues. So I'm glad you brought that up. You were talking about some behavioral strategies that work. And uh, that was kind of what I read too. Uh, some of the things that uh, they list or recommend or something like you just mentioned, which is like establishing routines, which is, you know, having yeah. simple, predictable routines throughout the day, creating checklists. Uh, they they uh, talked about using timers you know, setting a timer and kind of having that as something to look at, setting alarms, um, creating charts, and then, you know, using planners. So all things to kind of keep people a little bit more on task and um, in, in that direction, and certainly from a time frame. So 
you alluded to that. Now, did you find, so you mentioned earlier that your parents kind of stayed away from some of the medications, uh, at least initially. And I'm, I'm not sure if they ever chose to do it or what were some of the strategies that you found that they implemented or you implemented to really help you out? Um, one of them was, was exercise. I would actually, uh, work out, uh, before school, um, just to get some energy out. Um, and I was always playing sports. So, I mean, you, you think that you're doing, um, school when I was going to school was only 45 minute classes. So you could, you could, you could try to sit through those. You you got five minutes of, you know, everybody's settling down. You got five minutes of the end where everybody's wrestling to get ready. So you got like, you know, 30 minutes, 35 minutes of class. You got to try to fight through and, once you made it to high school, it was, it was a little bit easier, but also with, you know, with the hormones that are changing and you're just eating all the time and just different things would, um, would kind of trigger it. But yeah, one of the things that really helped was the, was the working out and, um, trying to get sleep and trying to limit the amount of just crappy food I ate. Um, and that, that helped out a lot. And, uh, the exercise was, was really good. It kind of, kind of gives you a little bit more of a focus. And also, I mean, being that I was, was smart, it, it school never was really that hard. Um, even, even with some of the, the challenging classes, not that I'm a brilliant guy or anything, but it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't that much of a struggle. I didn't have to really spend that much time focusing. It wasn't until I got to college that really stuff got where it got really hard. And, um, and, and that's when I actually started taking medication again. Um, I had a, uh, I had a, a traumatic event. I actually, uh, saw my dog, um, get by a car and, mm it really like, like in front of my eyes. And it was, you know, it was one of those, one of those really bad situations, but I had to go see a counselor and talk about that. And then I got diagnosed with like some, uh, some uh, tests. I had really bad test anxiety from that. And that really caused me uh, to have to seek some accommodations when I was in college. And uh, I guess that was maybe a blessing in disguise because once I had realized and it really accepted the, the ADHD diagnosis from, from being young, you know, there's such a stigma, like, you know, Oh, everybody in college takes Adderall or they take whatever to, you know, try to stay up all night and focus. And it's like, I was just trying to take Adderall just to be able to be normal. You know, like, you know, I would be sitting in the class and, and trying to take a test and every click of the clock, you could hear it just tick, tick. And it's like somebody just banging cymbals in your ears when you're trying to focus and, and study. And um, I remember thermodynamics was one of the really hard ones because it's, it's a, it's a multi-level step problem. It's not like just a, you know, I'm very quick and I'm very good at those very quick, um, you know, you give me a question, I give you an answer. You give me a question, like recalling and, and, and that type of thing, not from a memory standpoint, but from a, uh, uh, I guess you could say I have a very, very, uh, very large hard drive, but a very small amount of RAM, but it's a really fast process. You know, so it's like the, the stuff that I can keep in my short-term memory is, you know, very, very small, but I can, I can crunch a lot of things. And thermonemesis is one of those, those things where you have multi-step problems where you have to go through different cycles of the phases and then, you have to do calculations each one. And a lot of times I would just get lost at like, all right, where am I? I have to start from the beginning. Like what's the goal, you know? So I'm more of a global guy instead of like in the weeds and the details. So, um, but once I, you know, I actually uh, took the, the advice of a counselor and actually took some of the accommodations that, are, that they allow um, in college and actually um, uh, started taking medication again. I mean, I ended up graduating with honors. Um, <laughs> so it was, you know, it was, it was a big difference. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, you brought up something, you know, specific kind of during that conversation, or, you know, as you're explaining that is um, kind of the stigmatism of it. And um, to your point, there are some things out there that are 
allowed as a result of certain diagnoses, uh, whether it's test taking um, strategies or utilizing some different timed uh, events. And, um, you know, a lot of times uh, individuals can be ashamed or, or don't take advantage of it and therefore, uh, you know, kind of suffer as a result of it. So personally, well, I, I say personally, my wife, um, you know, she also struggled with ADHD, uh, majority of her childhood and, and high school career uh, to the point where she was a child that was put on Ritalin as a child and then Adderall later all on. And um, she used to, you know, have to have some accommodations around her testing and some of those other things that unfortunately, you know, um, because of that stigmatism, she often was told, you know, you know, you just go take your medication. Or if she was overexcited about what she had to say or share, you know, it was very easy for that person just to say, oh, she's just ADHD or, or, you know, go settle down or, or whatever that might be. And um, <clears throat> she had to kind of come to terms with it herself and really understand that, you know, there are some things that she needed to take advantage of and, and rightfully so. And as a result, allowed her to accelerate as well. And, and I don't, I don't know if I ever shared before, but uh, on the podcast, but so my wife is also a chiropractor. So she was able to kind of not only go to college, but to go to, to, to grad school afterwards and med school and, and all that kind of stuff. In other words, accomplished a lot despite the, the diagnosis as, as well as kind of taking advantage of some of these um, things given to her. So I'm glad you brought that up because sometimes people won't take advantage of some of the things uh, that are out there for them because of the concern of the stigmatism or, or what somebody's going to label them or whatever. So I'm glad you addressed that. Um, so it wasn't until college that you actually did use a sort of medication. Is that what, was that yeah. kind of what yeah, you're I saying? Started, I started taking Adderall back again in, um, in, um, in college and, uh, and gotcha. yeah, it, it, it made, it made a big difference um, in my just ability to focus and, and my ability, especially with some of the accommodations for the, for the ability to take tests with, with having test anxiety, just feeling like you're freaking out the whole time. Sure. And then, uh, the accommodations were just a, uh, just a, a, a little bit like, I think it was time and a half on the test. And then also having the ability to have it in, you know, to complete the test in like a less distracted or like a larger workspace instead of a little bit, like I need, I need to have my stuff spaced out so it can be clear so I can have it organized. And then, and then I, I can kind of clear what I can't clear in my, um, in my brain. I try to clear around me. So a lot of the stuff I try to really over-organize so I know where everything is and, and try to set it up. So at least I can't control the clutter in my mind. I can at least control the clutter that's around me. So. No, I hear you. I hear you. And Adderall is a stimulant, uh, yeah. which is counterintuitive for people to think about because they think, oh, this person's already stimulated and they're already kind of quote unquote hyperactive. Uh, but uh, it's kind of, uh, that's kind of what it, how it works is, is it just actually helps you um, focus uh, a little bit better and, and, and works better than the opposite, the non-stimulants. Now, having said that, some people need the non-stimulants and then some people are actually are kind of prescribed both depending on yeah. their, their own unique chemistry. So we know there's medication. We talked about some behavioral or, or some hacks, if you will, with timers and uh, strategies around kind of keeping someone focused. You brought the word up diet a couple of times or nutrition. Um, you briefly talked about sugar. What have you found personally to, to really help you, um, stay more 
focused or, or, or less symptomatic versus things that, you know, when, when you indulge in maybe lead you in a path that you don't want to go in? Well, I think I've really tried, um, I've struggled with, with like a sugar addiction, you know, most of my, most of my life. Um, but and it's funny cause I finally got some validation to it that most people that have, um, the ADHD, they, they are, they are like, check the statistics on it. It's like 60% more likely to have some sort of an eating disorder or some sort of a developed like type two diabetes. Like it's like a crazy statistic that they're much more likely to develop this. And, um, it wasn't until some, uh, I read an article the other day that was talking about the, the, your, your body's naturally at a dopamine deficit. Dopamine is your feel good symptom, right? Is your reward symptom. Yep. And you're naturally at it. And for years, man, for years, I would, the first thing I would eat when I would wake up in the morning would be either like ice cream or like cookie dough, like literally, like, I mean, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say it, but I would. And he's not kidding, Pax. He's shown up in the gloom after eating ice cream before. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, your your breath smells like cookies. Like I'm like, yeah, I literally, you know, but that was back in the day. Um, But no, it's, it's, um, it's one of those things that like, I didn't feel like I just needed, I I feel like I needed, I was desiring sugar. Like I didn't have any type of um, uh, like you just lack of dopamine and one, one quick way of, Fixing that is is dopamine is a uh, is a uh, is is sugar. You know, it gives you it gives you a little uh, release of dopamine um, just from a reward standpoint, just to be able to feel natural. And also with some of the meds I was taking, it gave me gave me dry mouth, so I'd have like heartburn. So it was naturally like you know you have heartburn, ice cream is is cold and sugary. So boom, you throw in a you throw in a scoop of protein powder, you can try to convince yourself that you're doing something good for yourself, even though you're you know eating a bunch of sugar. <laughs> But I did, I did compare the amount of sugar that I was eating in the ice cream um, was not that much more sugar than just a regular bowl of cereal. So people can judge all they want. I'm, you know, at least I had no Listen, I, do, I completely agree. That's a whole nother topic. But I, I agree that breakfast cereal industry uh, doesn't offer as much nutrition as people like it to be. Exactly. Luckily, um, I listened to a guy who talked about intermittent fasting. And then uh, <laughs> I was able to kick the, uh, the, the morning sugar routine just by drinking way more water than I really thought I needed to. And then also just trying to just like, again, like with one of those GTs, you, you learn what suffering is. I mean, I think, I think learning just even how to fast um, for a certain amount of time is just learning how to suffer. Um, and I know that I'm not going to die when you go you know, all day without eating because you, you know, people did it all the time from caveman times, but just that feeling that, you know, you feel like you need to eat, you feel like you need to eat. It's like you don't actually have to eat. It's, it's actually kind of empowering to know that, listen, I can, when we travel with the kids, I usually don't eat because number one, I'm cheap. Airport food is expensive. Number two, if I don't have to worry about me eating, that's one less thing that I have to worry about as far as I can be able to take care of them. And then also, um, I know that, you know, the, the, the choices that are going to be available are not always optimal for, you know, what I'm trying to do with, with my body and my life. So, um, and being able to, you know, get, get comfortable just being, you know, uncomfortable in that situation is, uh, I can't, it kind of empowered me to like, that's not even a factor that's even on my radar anymore. Like, you know, when, when you do an event or, or something, it's like, all right, well, I, you, you're not allowed to eat for this amount of time. It's like, all right, well, you know, I've been there before. I, I, I know how it is. I know I'm not going to die and I'll be, I'll be fine. It's just, it's just an added little level of stress that you just got to be kind of accustomed to. Yeah. And I mean, when it comes to nutrition, I mean, across the board, regardless of kind of what your health concerns are, we know that inflammation is kind of this underlying systemic issue that affects 
you know, your overall health in all, in all aspects. And so anything that we can do to re, uh, reduce inflammation uh, is what we want to do. And it sounds like kind of, you recognize that and, and intermittent fasting is one of those things that do, do it really, really well. Um, when you certainly, uh, restrict eating up to that 16 hour window, and you start that autophagy phase, which is the body's natural kind of vacuum cleaner, if you will, of kind of eating those dead cells and, and really cleaning things up. So those are all, you know, good strategies. Uh, you know, it's so hard to get a, a third grader to do intermittent fasting. Uh, yeah. So that's probably not a strategy for them, but we can, as parents, you know, make sure they're getting good, healthy, clean fats, so reducing some of those sugars, certainly reducing some of those artificial colors. And some of the things that we've seen can be pro-excitatory as far as uh, brain stimulation. And, and, and the, you know, certainly from a child that's already struggling with some of those uh, attention problems, adding those other additional things will only, you know, exacerbate it and make it works and, and so forth. Uh, we, you know, my child, um, my daughter, um, you know, we talked about earlier about the, <clears throat> excuse me, statistics, you know, if a parent has... ADHD, the likelihood of a child is about 50%. And so uh, our daughter was never officially diagnosed with it, but she had very early signs of it, spe uh, specifically, you know, when she was much, much younger um, in, in grade school and so forth. And we found using an occupational therapist was helpful. And she would um, do things like spinning, or she uh, suggested that we bought like a weighted a belt, if you will, that she would put across her lap. So when she was sitting in class, she kind of felt that weight on her, um, her, on her legs. And it just allowed her to be less, I guess, antsy, if you will. I think that's, um, I think that's why I'm more of a, I'm such a rucking fanatic. I, uh, yeah, there you go. I, I've actually, I have actually funny story. I have made it through an airport security, uh, TSA by convincing the guy that, listen, I need this because my doctor prescribed this. It's in place of a it's in place of a weighted vest. It's just a book bag that has a plate in it that, that I have for security. And I was I really convinced the guy. Uh, hey man, I, really, I need this. This is you know I'm with my family. Like I, this is a really stressful situation. I need this you know weighted book bag. It's you know, and the guy let me go through. Man, that's I count that as a I'm a good I'm a good salesman. You see my wife, you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You, you definitely married above your class, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I think we all have done that. That's for sure. So yeah, and that, that's interesting to hear that you just made the comment about liking rucking and, and I don't know how uh, jokefully you were saying that, but you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, they talk about weighted bl blankets and other things that can help people depending on kind of what they're dealing with. So, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe the, the, the ruck, is, a, is an aspect of that that can be therapeutic to you. So as far as accomplishments, man, you've accomplished tons. I mean, you're an engineer, you, 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 you obviously can take an ordinary cooler and make an air conditioning. You can uh, convert your uh, pressure washer to a snow machine. Uh, you've done a lot of things. Is there anything specifically that uh, you just really feel um, accomplished about, uh, despite kind of some of these challenges that you've had to face I mean, anything that you want to share around that? No, I think, I think it's, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of great tasks and a lot of great things that, that, that you, that you've mentioned, um, that, that I use on a daily basis. I have a very rigid schedule. Um, I, 
I I try to limit my decisions. You see me, I'm usually wearing pretty much the same clothes, you know, the black pants, car, black cargo pants, and then, you know, the, a, a work shirt. And then, you know, um, decision fatigue kind of kind of impacts people with ADHD. Like every decision, you know, compounds, you know, you, it reduces the ability for you to make a, a, a good decision or the ability to focus on the next decision. I try to reduce that. Um, I, uh, I use a lot of timers because I'm, I'm time blind um, when it comes to that. Uh, I have a lot of uh, checklists. I carry two notepads in my pocket at all times. These, these standard, you can tell this is pretty beat up if you see it. This is, this is my yeah. personal notepad. All right. And then I have one for work. It's a different one in the other, in the other cargo pocket um, is a different one. So I have all of that in there to um, because my brain is so, so, you know, it, it, it just jumps from one thing to the next. Like I have to write down a lot of stuff and, and it allows my brain to be able to have enough space so that I can have other stuff that's out of it. Um, I try to keep everything organized. Uh, I have a shared calendar. Um, and uh on top of that, I just try to, I try to get, get my exercise and then also with the, the medication. And then, um, I do mindfulness, um, training also, um, just trying to meditate to just let the thoughts come in, let thoughts come out and just try to be okay with it. Um, one of the, one of the huge things that's really, it's really helped me is, uh, is the faith component. Um, a lot of times you know, I suffered for so many years with just, you know, hating the, hating the diagnosis, kind of not, not understanding why I was the way I was. And then, you know, now that I've gotten, you know, you know part of the, you know, you get right, you live right. And then uh, you leave right. And then you start uh, leaving legacy. Like part of it is that I have, I've learned that, that there's a lot of great things about having ADHD that I, I wouldn't change. Um, and now that I am exactly the way that I'm supposed to be. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's really allowed me to excel in my areas of, of expertise, I guess you would say. I mean, like the whole thing with, with EH and the guy, the fact that I have no problem um, running up to random people and talking to them and encouraging them and telling them about F3 or telling them about rucking or, or whatever we're talking about at the time, um, that's a skill set that I didn't even know was, was specialized to, to me uh, until you start talking to other people. And I, I'm like, hey, why don't you go talk to them? I'm like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. It's like, I don't like. I kind of it's it's one of the one of the one of the areas I found that's uh, I kind of feel like I have a, a leg up on because you know all that time when I was struggling in school it's like listen man it's not you know we've been you know we're 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 thousands and thousands and millions of years old um, as far as the the human race it's only been the past you know, hundred years that that we're supposed to be inside of a nice little you know box that with you know not not outside and we're looking at these these plastic things with screens on them you know that other people look like they're in. Um, it's, uh, it's not, it's only now that that's been, been the case. And I, I think there's a, uh, there's a huge, uh, um, justification for, for part of the population over the course of time that is still, we still survive with, with having ADHD. I mean, the fact that I hear everything, um, and yet like it, like it annoys me, like the clicks and the, in the, I mean, that's one of those things that's, uh, it's beneficial to a group of people when everyone is sleeping and I'm the light is sleeping and I hear you know, something in the woods, you know, I just say, Hey, everybody, there's something in the woods. I wake everybody else up. And it's like, well, who's going to go look at it? I'm like, well, I'm going to go look for it. I'm going to go out there and look, I don't know. I don't know what it is. And like the, you know, you know that impulsiveness that, that could, could, could hopefully, you know, benefit the entire group. And um, I think that's uh, all the things you were talking about. I was, I'm going all around the circle to, to come back to is uh, one of the hardest things that I ever, I ever did was the, uh, the cadre Academy. 
um, because it's not just a rucking event. Um, I mean, I've done rucking events. I've done heavies. I've done, you know, um, GTEs. I've done three GTEs before I even went to this thing. And, um, but part of it is the, the timers, the schedules, the, the medication, because the event is so long. And um, one of the things with, with medication is it, because it's a stimulant medication, it is similar to like an amphetamine. It's a controlled substance that's um, federally regulated. So you're only allowed so many pills for so many days. And when you end up staying up for three days straight, you get like one pill, maybe two for that entire time frame. So the other time is like, you're just, and especially when, you, when you've taken pills for so long, you know, for, for your whole life, when you start to come off those pills, it is, um, it is you'll have withdrawal symptoms. And so you actually, you actually, you know, if you were, if you were this, if you were this far, if you were like, you know, like if you were mostly distracted, you know, at like a seven, and then when you, you take the medicine, you're at like a three, and then when you come off the medicine, you'll go like to a nine, you know? So it's like you overshoot. And so it's like, it was, um, so that was one of the hardest struggles was trying to keep all that together. Um, during basically the, the, the whole weekend event that was, uh, the, the, cadre Academy and then, uh, not having the other people in the, uh, in the, in the class kill me, um, for just annoying the crap out of them or getting us in trouble because Kadra would say something and I would just blurt something out. And then I just immediately like, oh, like that's going to hurt. Like, you know, we're going to be burpees for that. I mean, it's just those, all those kind of things. And uh, it's just, uh, and then on top of that, we had like the schooling side of it. Uh, you know, we had like, you know, like a full day's worth of schooling after you'd had like you know, five hours of sleep or whatnot and uh, not have enough meds. And then just, it was a really, it was a really big challenge. And uh, with part of the, uh, you know, one of the, one of the things with the ASD is like the emotional deregulations or the, the inability to control some emotions and just be able to get, you know, just a roller coaster of emotions was, was, uh, was, was really challenging. It's embarrassing. Cause like, you know, sometimes you'll get emotional and you don't realize why you're like, you're getting choked up. Like, I mean, I feel like, uh, all the fist fights I ever got in as a kid, I was crying during them. I mean, I was a straight Ralphie, you know, just punching people and crying at the same time, you know, it's ugly cry. Um, just cause you know, it's just, I guess it's just the way I am. Um, and it's, it's embarrassing, but, um, uh, I put it out there to, to the guys in the nation. Like, listen, man, we're all in a broken world. And we're all broken guys. So, uh, uh, you know, the, the more comfortable you can be in your own skin, the, the, you know, the better off you can be. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you sharing all that. Um, and you know, to the point I made earlier, I mean, you, that was, that's a great accomplishment for anyone to, to, to pass this cadre Academy. And, uh, certainly, uh, with some of the struggles that you had personally just around your own unique, uh, challenges uh, makes it even more of accomplishment. So, man, kudos to you, and appreciate you sharing that story and the vulnerability around that. And um, you know, once again, I'm I'm proud of you, man. And you're going to be a great cadre for this nation and for the GTEs, for for those guys that show up and and be part of those things. So, man, way to go. As far as kind of wrapping things up, brother, I want to um, kind of close out with a couple last questions. Um, you at or you, excuse me, you've uh, you know gave us a ton of information, a ton of advice and tips, and if you will, but if you kind of had to distill down three tips that you want to give somebody else to get them going on their hunt for wellness, what would those three tips be? Um, I would say to uh, not be afraid to ask questions. Uh, I think that it's really important that. Whatever the case may be, if you're afraid of a diagnosis, if you think there's something going on, and uh, I think you as a, as a parent, um, speaking of uh, shorties, the, the Q point of the week, 1.6, you know, getting, your, getting your local Q source groups, guys, um, 
it's our job as as parents and 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 dads to to be an advocate for our kids. And um, there's a you know when 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 your child is one of thirty and we don't spend that much time with them, you can't depend on the teacher to be like, hey, I think you know your your kid might be struggling with this or might might have that. And um, and even if they do um, are aware of that and they they they, may, they let you know about they let you know about that. Um, I think it's I think it's really important for the parent to to uh, to be an advocate for their kid and 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 help as much as you can. I mean, we don't just ship our kids up to boarding school. I mean, we need to be involved in in their education and uh, and there's not one way of learning. I mean, I was much more of a hands-on learner and more of a uh, curious, curious learner. Like I would ask questions to learn. I wanted to learn at my pace. Um, still now, like I, I struggle with things that when, when, when I'm supposed to be getting information, if I'm not ready for the information, it's just, it's just going to go through, man. I, I, but when I'm ready for it, it's, it's locked in, it'll be solid. Um, and I think that's one of the things is, is you have to find opportunities to um, recognize when you're, when you're more, um, apt to uh, listen and, and also when you're not when you're not apt to listen I mean multitasking is really terrible for people with ADHD I would highly recommend you not do that as often as you can um, and and try to try to stick to a, re- a regimen and schedule uh, the other thing I would say is uh, so advocate advocate for your kids um, don't be afraid to um, to do the research and ask the questions and and also don't be afraid to be unorthodox I think that the Everyone is so caught up on what they think society should do or would do. Um, they're worried about what other people are going to think that, you know what, at the end of the day, if it gets the end result done, I think that you should try it. You should be willing to try it. I think that people with ADHD are really creative. We have really great um, entrepreneurial skills. Uh, we're, we're really adventurous. And there are so many great things about it that maybe it's not going to be the beaten path, but one of the great things about having ADHD is, is work, hard work is never been a, um, a factor, uh, never been a deterrent. So, I mean, when I'm motivated to do something, it's, it's, I'm going to do it. I mean, and that's kind of, uh, just, just the, uh, the ability of, of the resiliency that you can have. Um, and you, you might, you might be really fickle on, on certain things and really, uh, lackadaisical on other things, but you might be really hardwired to, to, to strive out other things. So uh, don't be afraid to get off the beaten path and see uh, see where it might take you, man. And, and support your kids and just love them for who they are. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. They're gonna be successful. Don't worry. All right, brother. I appreciate this. Um, I do have one additional question, one last question. But uh, before I ask that, man, I just again want to take a few moments and just acknowledge you, say thank you for all that you do for. A, coming on the show and being vulnerable and being willing to share your personal experience and just add value to to the audience and the packs uh, across the nation. I really appreciate you for that. And everything that you do for the nation through QSource and through the Cadre uh, Academy and everything else that you um, get out there and do just to help other men accelerate. Uh, I know here locally, um, everyone loves you and appreciates you for that attitude that you always have about getting out in the gloom and helping everybody else. So, man, I, I just really appreciate you. As far as people reaching out to you, man, if people have questions about ADHD or they have questions about QSource or anything else that they may, may want to um, follow up with you personally about, what are some best ways of doing that? Um, you can find me on my uh, on the Twitter is uh, G underscore Perv, P-U-R-V-E. 
I had uh, Twitter way before F3, so sorry about that. It's uh, Jeeper. But if you search F3 Olaf, um, I think it'll definitely pop up my uh, my name there. And also, I'm on the Nation Slack um, underneath uh, Olaf, F3 Olaf. And, uh, and a high contributed to the third uh, F channel on the Nation Slack channel or the Q source. Is there uh, the Q source? There is a Q source channel, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Got it. Yep. Yeah, you're you. Just to make sure you're in it. No, no, I, I'm pretty sure I am. I, I just couldn't remember if it was under the third F category or if it was an actual Q source category, but I, I, I do know that there's both. So awesome. All right, man. I appreciate that. So my last question, man, is this, what is your definition of wellness? Well, that's, I knew that was coming. So I, I, before I answer that question, I want to say that, Hey, I am also grateful, uh, to the nation. Um, I am just a simple dude that is, uh, you know, just getting pushed along and uh, hanging out with guys that are faster than him. So uh, I'm grateful to you guys and uh, for what you're doing for this podcast and, and, and putting it out and uh, giving us giving us content. And, and I'm grateful to the guys that come on the show and kind of pull back the curtain a little bit to show what being a, uh, a high impact man really is. Um, being being able to be vulnerable and, you know, saying, hey, listen, I don't I don't have it all together. I mean, I I personally don't have it all together. I know that there's lots of people that don't. But uh I'm just grateful for the uh, opportunity to come on and share. Uh, I'm grateful for my shield lock and, uh, and my whetstone and uh, all the guys that have been around me that uh, have encouraged me to do things that I didn't think I could do. And uh, that's, you know, and, and also I want to give a big shout out to my M for uh, sticking by me and supporting me and loving me. And uh, I couldn't do without her. So uh, shout out on that. But to answer your question on the wellness I'm going to turn it right back around to, to the F3 thing. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's definitely part of your fitness and, uh, you know, getting yourself in shape, getting your body to be, um, as best it can be. I mean, it's, your, it's the only one you got, it's the, the one you're responsible for taking care of. And, uh, you know, cowards, uh, fatigue makes cowards of us all as we will see at GT 26. So, um, I think that it's really important to, to keep people, um, uh, ready to go and in the fight. And, and I never want to have any regrets in my entire life of, man, I really wish that I would have been in better shape. I could have saved my kid during a riptide or a rip current, or I could have, you know, carried my kid if someone tried to, you know, I could have chased somebody down that, that, that took something, took, you know, took a family member or were trying to hurt a family member. Um, I think it's really important to just strive to be the best you can and always get better at the first F and also the second F. Uh, in your fellowship and in, in your concentrica, make sure you're shooting those areas where they need to be and you're focusing on what needs to be important in life. And then the third part is the faith. I think it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a, a trifecta of, um, of well-being. Uh, you got to, I don't care what you believe in. Um, you're welcome. To, I, I welcome all those discussions. And um, I encourage guys to just get deeper in their faith, whatever that is, uh, because this is a broken world and it will rain hell on you. Um, and it falls on the just and the unjust. So just make sure that you've got a tight circle of, of guys around you that can believe in the same thing as you, build you up, and also uh, encourage you to do um, to be the better person that you that you know that, you, that they feel that you were called to be. So that's it, man. Uh, perfect, brother. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the Hunt for Wellness podcast please rate and review our show and be sure to share it with your F3 brothers. 
As always, we are looking for inspiring stories to share and health experts to interview. So if that's you, please reach out to me at bones at huntforwellness.com, on the nation's Slack at Bones, or Twitter at HFW Podcast. And until next time, this has been Bones guiding the packs of F3 Nation on their hunt for wellness. <laughs>